Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar. Today we have a special show. It's our annual top 10 pound for pound list show. Also happy 4th of July weekend to all. My name is Will Henry and I'm joined by Daniel Lee and Lavelle Jackson. Fellas, were you able to get those lists together? And also, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, yeah, I was able to get that list together, man. And, you know, uh, using the system we always do. Uh, it, it was it was interesting. I'll just say that. I'm excited about mine because I made a little system within the system and it really helped me to put things in the order. And so uh, I'm excited to talk about it today, but I'm feeling good, you know. Yeah, crunching those numbers, it was uh, it made things kind of interesting and I, I had to make some adjustments. You know, I have to make some executive decisions. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, I didn't make any adjustments, but what I did do, I was like, man, you know what? Let me write out my own list just in case, man. I did the numbers and I was like, let me write out my own personal list. <laughs> That's actually how I did it. But when we go on, we go on by the numbers, man, because uh, men lie, women lie, but numbers don't lie. That's yeah, real. That's true. That's true. But sometimes, you know... It, 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 it's some nuances that's involved in this as well. And what I was going to ask, Phil, you kind of alluded to this. And so you you, you did have some surprises. Or you fellas had some surprises when you finally came out with your final list? Yes, I, I absolutely had some surprises. I had an individual in there that, that it's, it's no way I could, I could drop them low, like lower on, on many things. They, they, they did too much. And, and when we get to it, I, you, you'll figure that out. I think I already know what you're talking about. What, you, right. what, what about you, Dan? I didn't have a ton of surprises. I was actually pretty happy with it because the way the way my system within the system worked is it actually made for some ties, which allowed me to kind of make the executive decision on the tiebreakers without really feeling guilty about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, the way it worked out, I, and I'll explain as we get into it, but I'm, I'm happy with mine. Before we begin to unveil those lists, um, there's a couple of current topics that I'd like to discuss with you fellas before we get started. The first thing is, is that, you know, you got Canelo and you got Triple G, you know, they've been holding press conferences to promote their third match in September during the Mexican Independence Weekend. Have you been looking at those press conferences? And if you have, uh, what, what's your thoughts on what you've been seeing out of both guys? I haven't watched the, 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 the press conference. I've been following the quotes and hearing what, both uh, combatants are saying, Canelo is saying this time it's personal, I'm gonna knock him out. And uh, Triple G basically saying like, I don't really care. I'm just here to get the win that I deserve. Things of that nature. So, I mean, we, we've seen him go back and forth so many years. I just wanna see the fight, you know, <laughs> they get it over with. Phil, who do you believe more? Do you believe more Canelo or do you believe more Triple G? When, when, when Canelo is saying this is personal, dude is, you know, two-faced, he's phony, and then Triple G, he's saying, like, you know, no, I'm not. It's just, you know, this is boxing, you know? I, I, I think it's promotion. And I think after the fight, they're going to hug it out. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. <laughs> I, I think it's weird that he chooses that with Triple G in particular, because Triple G has been who he's been this whole time. You know, I remember after HBO fights, and, you know, he's speaking that broken English and he was just like, yeah, man, I respect box. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you got Canelo, though, that's like, this is the same guy that in the in the Caleb Plant press conference, you know what I mean? Plant called him an mf -er. 
you know, what you say about my mom? You know what I mean? Like, right. so I don't, I don't know, I don't know what being going on in Canelo's head, and it's kind of weird to me that he's kind of, it seems kind of kind of manufactured to me, and he typically doesn't promote himself this way. Canelo is always edgy, though. You know what I mean? Like he's always on edge. But I think what he's thinking with Triple G is a couple of things going on. Here. For one, I recognize that he doesn't really care for Triple G. He he can't give Triple G even any compliment. Like they asked him, was he a, does he hit harder than somebody? No, he doesn't hit hard. <laughs> and I'm like, man, just get you can't just concede anything to the man. Like, you know, we understand that the man hits hard. You can at least be honest about that. But no, nah, he won't give an inch when it comes to Triple G. But part of me thinks that he's taking this approach, one, just because he's an edgy little dude. And then two, it's that Triple G had the reputation of being that kind of like bully. And so he's looking at that, like, you know, he's going to attempt to bully the bully. And to me, it, it, it's kind of like that, where he is always on edge and he like, Triple G doesn't seem like it's bothering him that much. But at the same time, it's not an intimidation factor that's going to happen as they enter the ring, where some other guys Triple G may have, may have faced in the past, where they kind of was a little bit timid, where he's playing the aggressor role. The other thing that I think that's going on here is that Canelo is really, truly, he doesn't like Triple G because of this. Because you remember when Canelo was like 154 and he was doing a catch weight type thing, Triple G kept making the case, you know, you're supposed to fight me after he beat Cotto. Like immediately after he won that fight, he was on his bumper. And I think that Canelo felt at that time when he won that fight, that he had a little leeway because he had won this big fight. Triple G really hadn't had any major or anything like that. So he thought he had a little bit more time to buy and he kept putting pressure and more pressure on Canelo, you know, in order to make the fight. And I, I think Canelo truly never did appreciate that. And then some of the other little comments that Triple G made. So it makes for, you know, interesting press conferences and back and forth, not necessarily back and forth, it's more so on Canelo and um, also, the other question I have for you, you got potential entering to your pound for pound list. I'm not sure if he made it or if he didn't, but of course, Stevenson, he set the take on the very dangerous um, ropes in Casacial, who won a 2016 Olympic gold medal in Rio de Janeiro in 2016. They're going to be fighting September 23rd in Newark. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, I think it's a good matchup. Casacial, uh, we saw his fight with uh, Oscar Valdez, and he's arguably the, the the other top guy at 130 right now. So that'll be a great fight for Shakur Stevenson, um, and and I look forward to watching it. Yeah, like, am I tripping? Because I'm more excited about this one than any other other potential title fights in that division. Because, I mean, look, if you said that Conceição beat Valdez, you would have a strong argument, right? Um, now, if I were to advocate for the judges, I would say that he got too cocky towards the tail end of that fight and let his foot off the gas. But, you know, he was more, he finished the fight more assertive against Xavier Martinez. And so, you know, they both have that amateur pedigree. Um, I think it'll be a high level chess match, you know, so I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I, belts aside, this is probably one of the better fights to make at 130. Yeah, I agree. I, I appreciate Shakur for wanting to smoke, you know, taking on the next best available. You know, he just beat Oscar Valdez. Typically, guys, 
when they end up getting a victory of that magnitude, they typically take a little softer touch. Then they'll go and fight somebody as tough as a Conceicao. But, you know, the kid, you know, he has the kahunas um, to take on these challenges. So shout out to him. Do you guys have any, um, you know, are you thinking about going out there to Newark to possibly check that one out? Yeah, we'll see. It, it, I'll be a game time decision. Gotcha. All right, so last before, again, we unveil our July pound-for-pound uh, pound list. What I, the last question that I have for you, so we basically at the midpoint of the year. How would you guys rate 2022 so far in the sport of boxing? I think this is a pretty good year. We had some, early on, we had some fight-of-year candidates. Like, I'm not sure if we had this many. In a, it was, it was a three-month span where they were coming back-to-back. It's a lot of unifications this year, and it's more possible unifications, and it's possible great fights that could still happen this year. So if this, the rest of this year plays out like the first half, it's almost, I can say that it's one of the better years of boxing, but I'll also say for, for sure that it's probably the most surprising year of boxing for me in my lifetime. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's left little to be desired in terms of the matchmaking. You know, um, it hasn't been quite as top heavy in a good way. You know, like some of the guys you'd expect to win fights haven't been winning, which I think is a good thing for boxing because you got new stars coming up. And as you guys who are listening will probably see later in the episode, we're probably going to have some new entries in the pound for pound discussion. So I've, I've been happy with it. Yes. And it's looking like it's uh, we're going to have some some other good fights coming up. So that's always a good thing. And when you have so many good competitive fights that's being scheduled, then it's going to change up these pound for pound lists. So. I can just only imagine like looking at this one, looking at like kind of our early pound for pound list to see who's still on it, see where they, you know, if they fluctuate, anything fluctuated um, as far as the rankings are concerned and then all the way up to potentially the next one. I think we probably do another one in maybe December, or, you know, January. So it's going to be interesting to see who's still on those lists. Now, as far as how we're going to rate the fighters on our pound for pound list, what we do is we use a very, I would say, objective criteria where there's 30 points for the abilities of these fighters, the eye tests, you know, when you look at a fighter, what skills they have, what sticks out to you, what attributes they have. And then also we give 30 points for the quality of opposition. And so for abilities and quality of opposition, that's more so we try to look within a two-year window you know what i mean you can't be somebody who 10 years ago you know had a good resume and now you're kind of cherry picking and so if that's the case then we'll have to take points off so that's how those categories are looked at now as far as achievements i know for me personally i looked at achievements more so throughout your career you can build on those particular accolades that you are accumulating so that's another 30 points and then the last quarter category that we have is whether or not you are avoiding opposition or whether or not you're seeking out opposition. And so we allocate 10 points for that. And so that's pretty much the way we are rating our top 10 pound for pound fighters. Now, so we wanna start off uh, with the honorable mentions. Uh, do we just wanna do all of the honorable mentions and then like each of us give our honorable mentions that way? Yeah, cause our honorable mentions is different. So let's just list them out like, 
you list yours. I'll list my honorable mentions, and Daniel lists his honorable mentions, and then we'll jump into number 10. Is that cool, Danny? Sounds good to me. Okay. All right, so as far as the list are concerned, I'm going to start us off with the honorable mentions. I have four guys. It was it, it came down to 14 fighters. And these guys could have made the list. One guy is actually on the list, but um, he's saying that he's retired, and I, I have to take him at, at his word. So Tyson Fury would have been number six on my list with 85 points based on all of the things that he's done, his victory over Dillian White, so on and so forth. I'm saying just most recently, I think he had the Deontay Wilder victory within that two-year time frame and just all the things he's done. So Tyson Fury makes my honorable mention list. I got, and this may seem surprising to most people, but I have also Dimitri Bivol on my honorable mention list. And I know that he has a huge victory over Canelo, but Canelo, he's, he fought a fighter that was not necessarily in his weight class. It was a huge victory, a huge accomplishment, but it just didn't propel him to be on my top 10 pound for pound list. Also, Juan Francisco Estrada. He's a fighter that pretty much fought everybody in his division, you know, with the exception of a main man, Bam. But outside of that, I mean, there's nothing much more he can do as far as the quality of opposition. Um, some of the things, the reason why I don't have Fran Juan Francisco Estrada in my top 10 pound for pound list is because in his last fight, I don't think he won the fight for one. And two, when I look at his abilities, although they're good, a very good counter punch, one of the best counter punches that we have, I don't see the other parts of his game that could propel him into my top 10 pound for pound list, although he is really good. And then the last person, which could be another surprise for people, is going to be Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor just missed out um, of making my top 10 pound for pound list, and it's mainly because of his last fight. He's in a similar situation for me as Jamel Charlo was in his fight against Jason Castaño when they end up having a draw, but it was just the way in which Jamel Charlo end up having that draw. And so with him, I don't think that the fight was even necessarily that close. I thought it was at least two, three rounds that Jack Catterall defeated him. And so for me, I, leaving that sour taste in my mouth and when I look at his abilities, although he's good, I just think he's a tough fighter. He has a couple good attributes there, but it's just not enough at this particular point to put him in my top 10 list. If he writes the wrong against Jack Catterall, being a undisputed champion, then he'll definitely be in my top 10 pound for pound list moving forward. But I couldn't put him up in there. But my four honorable mentions is the retired Tyson Fury, uh, Dimitri Bilval, Juan Francisco Estrada, and Josh Taylor. Yeah, my four was interesting. I actually had more than that, but I narrowed it down because I was just considering, I just wrote a whole bunch of names and I was considering them and rating them. So uh, ones that missed out barely, I know Stephen Fulton, he would have probably been either number 11, or number 12. Uh, I had him him on the list. He was considered, uh, I think his, um, he's pretty much just getting started. So his opposition isn't like, it doesn't measure to the, the, some of the guys on his list and his accomplishment he hasn't really unified yet, but 
he's someone who I expect to see, and even in December, I expect to see on this list. Then you had, uh, of course, Josh Taylor, who will you just discuss the same reasons why you why he's dropped on my list is what you said is is a performance against Jack Catterall, which I had Catterall winning, and it's not like it was just like a a split decision close fight that could have went either way. You know, this was a fight that Jack Catterall really won, but Josh Taylor got the victory. And and you'll see someone on his list. We can be a prisoner of the moment where this just it just happened so not too long ago. So considering that, it's still in my head of uh, did Josh Taylor really win that fight? And he only as good as your last fight. Then I had two guys on here that I had always going to have neck and neck because uh, there's official victory and then there's what actually happened. That's uh, Juan Francisco Estrada and Roman Gonzalez. I always had them neck and neck. Uh, so they get honorable mention. Uh, they didn't really make this list. But yeah, I'm excited to go to get to mine. Yeah, I won't belabor too much because there's a lot of intersect here. I had Estrada as well for reasons you guys mentioned. I had Fury. He was pretty high up on my last list, but there's just too many good fighters that's out right now and actively fighting and want to fight uh, versus, you know, him in this kind of one foot in, one foot out. I had Vasily Lomachenko on my honorable mention, actually. I don't consider him to be currently an active fighter, to be honest with you. I mean, he's he's literally at war. He would have scored high up on the points. Um, he probably would have been lower than he was last time, but that's just kind of what I did. And this may be surprising to some, especially since you guys didn't mention him, but just on the outside, I had Ben Rodriguez. I just feel like it's maybe a year too early or maybe even six months too early. Um, Talent-wise, you could put him there, like no question about it. And, and I wouldn't argue with you, but um, just based on the way that I was scoring these, which I'll explain in a little bit, he just fell on the outside. Well, that's good. So now it's time to get up into these lists now. Yeah, the moment we all been waiting for. So I'm going to kick it off. So for me, my number 10 fighter on my pound for pound list is the 37-year-old Arthur Better Be. He's 18-0 with 18 KOs. As far as his, in the, within the last two years, he's faced Adam Dines. Not so impressive victory, but he was coming off of COVID, 10th round KO. He had the Marcus Brown victory, looked much better in that fight. And then he just had the second round demolition of Joe Smith where he collected his WBO belt. So just looking at him in that fight, that's the Archer better be that I know and that I had in my top 10 pound for pound list maybe a year or a year and a half ago. So as far as his abilities, to me, he showed me everything I needed to see. So I gave him a 25 as far as his abilities. And as far as the quality of opposition, I gave him a 22. And here's why. He beat a very impressive, a very good champion, very solid champion in Bosdick. I want to say 2017, 2018. So that's out of this window, but he still has that, you know, that wasn't that far, you know, in the past. So I gave him 22, but also because he's beaten two of the top 10 light heavyweights in the last two years. So he's beaten well within the last year. Marcus Brown is, is in a top five, top six. And then also Joe Smith, according to Ring Magazine, is number six. So as far as quality of opposition, I can give him at least 22 in that category. 
his achievements. I think that 23 is a solid number for him because he's the WBC champion, IBF champion, WBO champion. And then as far as the smoke, I gave him an eight. And the only reason that I gave him an eight is because I just think that for whatever reason, that Bibble fight has just eluded us, right? And I think by now that they should have fought by now, it may have worked, it may work out well for both guys that they hadn't fought each other. But, you know, just with that being said, and then also I think he kind of missed Kovalev as well. And he was on the tail end of possibly facing Ward. I don't fault him for that because Ward ended up retiring. But all in all, I gave him an eight in the smoke department. I'm not, I don't say, I'm not saying that um, Arthur Bitterbeev is um, reluctant on facing anyone, but it's just the fact that those, some of those fights haven't happened. But my number 10 was 78 points. It's the beast, Arthur Bitterbeev. My number 10 with 81 points is Arthur Bitterbeev. <laughs> say what you had, Will. For some of the same reasons, uh, my numbers were a little different. Uh, for opposition, I gave him a 24. Um, I mean, of course, he has that victory over uh, Godzit, you know, and he just beat the Joe Smith Jr. Who, who they're they're big fight. When you look at the 175 landscape, those are probably the best opponents he had at the time. Of course, they're still, uh, of course, Dimitri Bivol, you know, is still out there is the biggest challenge. Um, but then you have Gilberto Ramirez Zurdo. Uh, which I think will be a, a decent fight for for the beef also. I didn't count Canelo because, of course, Canelo just lost to uh, Dimitri Bivol. Uh, so I gave him a 24 for opposition. For uh, achievements, I gave him a 23 because he hasn't really – he doesn't have all the belts yet, and I think that's important for, for where he's at because it's not like he – he's probably the one the other – the only – guys the champions currently at 175 that has not moved up from a lower weight he's been at 175 his entire career and for someone who's been there that long and and, and been around i think COVID really took a, a toll on his career but i i expect if those fights that we're talking about happen i expect him to rise uh higher uh for abilities i gave him a uh i gave him a, a 26 because we're, if we're going back two years, yes, he has that victory over uh, Joe Smith Jr. I wanted to get him higher. Uh, it was still kind of high because of that victory over Joe Smith that actually gave him that 26. But he also had, had those uh, fights before that where he seemed a little sluggish, even though he still got the knockout. He didn't seem the same. And, he, and there, there was a point even before the Joe Smith fight where if you line him and Vivo up to, to one another, people were picking Vivo against him at certain points. Uh, so I gave him a um, 26 for the smoke. I gave him the same. Uh, I gave him an eight. Uh, he hasn't cleaned out the division, but he always seemed willing to fight everyone. So my number 10 with 81 points is Arter Bitterbee. Cool. So before I get into mine, I'm, I'm going to give my general thoughts and how I sort of what I alluded to earlier in terms of making my sort of uh, standard within the standard. First of all, for achievements, I kind of put my own little mini point system in there, right? So um, it's pretty non-negotiable, except for an event of a tie, in which case I would favor the champ with multiple belts who went out to get the belts themselves. But pretty much for that, 30 points, you were pretty much a four-division champ and undisputed at a weight class. 29 was four-division champ. 28 is three-division plus undisputed at a weight class. 27 is three-division so on and so forth. 26 was two division with undisputed. 25 was two division. 
24 was going to dispute that one division. And then below that is the amount of belts. You know what I mean? And so this allowed me to more easily and objectively score their achievements. Again, based on ties, I would favor the champs with multiple belts who went to get them, get the belts, which I'll explain a little bit later if it doesn't make sense. And for the smoke, um, if you got a 10, I gave you a 10 because you dared to be great beyond your weight class. If you got a nine, you dared to be great within your weight class. And if you got an eight, you just sort of generally didn't back down from a challenge. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of how I tried to objectively score them in that sense. So with that said, my number 10 was Dimitri Bibble. Um, he is 20 and 0 with 11 knockouts. He had a total score of 84. Quality of opposition, I gave him a 27. You know, he beat Umar Salamov, who which didn't do too much for him in that category, but he did completely outclass the pound for pound number one, who was our pretty much everyone's consensus up until May. And that is pretty much what got him on the list. There, there was a tiebreaker, I'll say in a second. Achievements, I gave him a 21 based on my scoring system. He has uh, one title at his division. And so, you know, that was pretty standard score. And I test, I gave him a 28. He's another one of those fighters who doesn't give away rounds, although they're not all fan friendly. Uh, the way in which he outclassed Canelo by remaining disciplined says a lot about who he is as a fighter. Yes, Canelo moved up, but he also has beaten a fighter at that division before who was a world champion. The smoke, I gave him an eight. He never turns down a fighter. He doesn't always seem to like clamor for the absolute best or dare to be great, uh, which is fine, but he's still going to get this eight though. And he was actually, in terms of points, technically tied with Bam Rodriguez, but I had to give him the edge because he did outclass the consensus number one pound for pound guy. But Will, I completely understand you leave him off, you know, because it was a toss up between him and Bam for me personally. It's just going to depend on how you your interpretation of Bevel, because he, I can see him deserving to be in the top 10 pound for pound list. But just for me, when you're fighting someone who came up from 154, you know what I mean? And that's your, not necessarily claim to fame. That's your, yes, your biggest uh, victory. You know what I mean? And then you have other guys, it's just so much competition. Now, and it's just so, it's, it's splitting hairs, to be honest with you. So for number nine, at 28 and 0 with 15 knockouts and a total score of 85, I had Devin the Dream Haney. For the quality of opposition, I gave him a 26. You know, he couldn't get a title shot to unify, so he voluntarily took on challenges such as Jorge Linares and Jojo Diaz, and he outboxed them soundly, pretty much. And then he outclassed the, the man that beat the man who beat the man, George Camboso Jr., and so I gave him a 26. Um, achievements, 25. Again, straightforward for me. He's undisputed at his division. The eye test, I gave him a 28. He's a very solid boxer who's going to give anyone at that division. And arguably at 140, he's going to give them problems. And for smoke, I gave him a 9. Uh, because he's consistently called out the best fighters in his weight class. And he hasn't done the next best thing. So, again, at number 9, Devin the Dream Haney. Yeah, I echo the same sentiments. Uh, I have Devin the Dream Haney with the score of 78 at number nine. Um, and the only thing that I'll say just within the past two years, he's defeated Yorkus Gamboa, 12-round decision. 
the always tough Jorge Linares, 12 round decision, Joseph Diaz, another tough customer. And then as you stated, the man who beat the man who beat the man and George Cambosis. So I had to put Devin Haney at number nine. And for me, the only other thing that I wanted to add is that the way I comprise my list is that a fighter automatically gets a 25 for achievements if they're the undisputed champion. And so that's the automatic. The only reason why Josh Taylor had points deducted is because I thought that he relinquished, he should have relinquished his title because he lost to Jack Catterall, in my opinion. But all in all, Devin Haney would have scored 78 points is my number nine pound for pound fighter currently. All right, my number nine fighter is uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez. He had a total score of 82. I gave him a, a 24 as far as opposition. Uh, I mean, when you look at him fighting Carlos Quadras, Secretus, so Rungvasai, those are two really, really big victories. And they're bigger than, than even when I look at his, his career in totality, like without those victories, he probably, he's not on his list. But they, those are like, you know, pretty much, you know, when, when it comes to 115 pounds, you know, they're in the top four along with Juan Francisco Estrada and Roman Gonzalez. And we think that he's moved up and he's, this is like his third weight class. It's incredible what he's doing. Uh, I gave him a 23 for accomplishment. Uh, he, this is actually his first belt. Now, I'm not sure if he won a lot of belts, but uh, he, had, he wasn't a, a champion at some of the lower weight classes he was at. Um, but it seems like he's on the up and up. Abilities, I gave him a, an eye test. I gave him a 25. I mean, he's just incredible what I see, footwork, uh, jab, movement. He, he was making uh, run side look, you know, like, like he didn't even belong in a ring with him. For the smoke, I gave him a 10 because he actually, I mean, this is like his second or third weight class, and he's, and he's calling out the top guys. I mean, he, he called out uh, Quadra. He took that fight Quadras, and he took that fight run side, and he didn't have to take neither of those fights. And, and it's interesting that that this is not he, even his main weight class, and he, he was able to do that when you, when you can't get certain people to fight the people that's in their weight class themselves. So Van Rodriguez, I get him 82. That's my number nine pound for pound list. My number eight pound for pound player, pound for pound player fighter. You know today, I got Devin the Dream Haney. Uh, with a total score of 85. Uh, I gave him uh, a 23 as far as opposition. His opposition doesn't really stand out to me, uh, but he's always beaten the, 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 the guy that you put in front of him. I mean, and he's been trying to get those guys that he, he want. Uh, and it's, 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 uh, opposition is solid, but it's, it may not be as good as some of the other guys is on his list. For uh, achievements, I gave him a 25. I mean, currently he's ruling you know, the galaxy at uh, the lightweight division. So uh, I couldn't give him no lower, lower than 25. For abilities and eye tests, I gave him a 27. Uh, I would have gave him higher if it wasn't some of those uh, those points in fights. Sometimes he gets caught and, and, you know, caught slipping. But other than that, I mean, we, especially when you look at his last performance, I mean, extraordinary. Smoke, I gave him a 10 because, I mean, Devin been wanting these fights for, for so many years. He's been calling these guys out. He, he made all the concessions to get that George Cambosis fight. You got to give him a 10 for the smoke. I had to give him a 10 for the smoke. So my number eight on the pound for pound list is Devin the Dream Haney with a total score of 85. For my number eight, 
has a record of 35-1-1 with 19 knockouts and a total score of 86. I had one of the twins, Jamal Charlo. For the quality of opposition, I gave him a 26. Uh, he blew out Jason Rosario in 2020. He's fought Brian Castaño twice, who was ranked second in the division. So he beat the guy who was ranked second, and so I got to give him points for that. Achievements, uh, he's ranked 24 because he is undisputed. And I didn't reflect this in the points, but he went to get all the belts. He didn't just, like, beat the man to beat the man. He, he got those belts himself. So hats off to him for that. I test, I gave him a 27. Uh, he boxed brilliantly off the back foot versus a high-volume puncher at Castaño, which I previously honestly didn't give him credit for, but he definitely opened my eyes in that rematch and also his ability to adapt. And he also has knockout power and can get that done when he wants to and when he has to. For the smoke category, I gave him a nine. He's beaten pretty much everyone there is to beat at 154, give or take a name or two. So, you know, he's definitely there to be great in that division. Yeah, so for me, I have Jamel Charlo as well. Um, I gave him 79 points, and I'll just briefly go through my categories for abilities. I gave him a 22, may sound low. I just think he's very solid in most areas. I think the biggest thing for him is just his heart, his determination, and his willingness to, you know, bite down and go for the gusto, you know, when, when that time comes. And he did that. And some of his victories, like the Harrison fight, the Castaño fight, you know, and so you always have to respect that about the twin, Jamel Charlo. As far as the quality of opposition, so ability is 22, quality of opposition. And this is going to sound, may sound stunning, maybe lowballing. I say 22. Now, the thing about the 154 pound weight class, when I look at that weight division, I think that you have a lot of guys who are close in talent. But not necessarily when you think about the weight divisions that are the most talented, I don't necessarily think the 154 pound weight class is the most talented, but he's willing to take on anybody in that weight class. They're pretty good, you know, but I don't think that they are just are outstanding um, and outstanding weight class. So I gave him 22. He does have victories, Castaño, Rosario, Harrison, twice he fought, uh, Lubin. Um, and then currently he's beat three of the top 154 pound fighters in ring magazine. So as far as smoke, I had to give him a 10. I wish I can give him more. And then when it comes to achievements, and again, he's an undisputed champion. So anybody who holds that, um, holds all the belts, I gave them a 25. So he had a 25 in that category. So for Jamel Charlo, I gave him uh 79 points and he's my number eight fighter on my pound for pound list now number eight number eight is the youngest champion in boxing right now 16 that's the number seven right that's number seven right so I, I made a mistake you know when i get the bam sometimes i you know you <laughs> my, my guy right here you know what i mean like i say he's the youngest champion in boxing he's 22 years old and i thought folks that june 25th i believe that that was a watershed moment in a sport of boxing. And the reason why I say that, I'm gonna read something off to you. If you look at, I'm gonna read you the 1998 powerful pound listing. So in 1998, according to Rain Magazine, the number one fighter was Oscar De La Hoya. Number two was Roy Jones Jr. Number three was Evander Holyfield. Number four is Felix Trinidad. Mark Two Sharp Johnson was number five. Shane Mosley was number six. Ricardo Finito Lopez was 
Number seven, number eight was the great Floyd Money Mayweather. Not Money Mayweather at the time. He was Pretty Boy Floyd at the time, but he was the number eight fighter in boxing as far as the pound for pound rankings is concerned. And the biggest victory he had was against Gennaro Hernandez. So after that fight, not only did he defeat him, but the way he went about doing it put him in the pound for pound listings in 1998. And to me, June 25th was one of those moments for me. Not that he beat Sorambasai, but the way he went about dismantling him. So for me, that's what catapulted him to my list or on my list, as well as the other work that he's put in within the last two years. He was, he was fighting at 110 pounds against uh, Javier Rivera, Saul uh, Juarez, and then Jose Alejandra Burgo. And then he moved up to fight against Carlos Cuadras and did a wonderful job of you know, dismantling that wily veteran, you know, a guy who, who defeated Sor Ramasai and went tooth and nail with guys like Juan Francisco Estrada, as well as um, Chocolatito. And so he had won a wide decision. Not only did he win a wide decision, he dropped him. But then you saw how he dismantled uh, Sor Ramasai. So that's the reason why I put him in the top 10. So as far as the categories are concerned, the abilities, I lowballed him with 25 because to me, this kid, you know, you mentioned the veil, the footwork, you know, the jab, the just the different movements, the angles and all of those type of things that he brings to the table. I think that he's up there just like slightly below maybe somebody like a Terrence Crawford. That's just what my eyes see. But I lowballed him a little bit because there's still other guys out there to mesh those skills against. And I need to see a little bit more. I don't want to be just, you know, in the moment. You know what I mean? So I gave him 25. So as far as quality of opposition, I lowballed him again. I gave him a 22. But the reason why I gave him a 22 is that, that if you get that Estrada fight in there, that Chocolatito fight, and then I can go ahead and bump those numbers up even higher. As far as achievements, I gave him a 23. And it's based on what you mentioned, Vail, as far as moving up two weight classes. Just imagine somebody going up two weight classes, middleweight, going up two weight classes and facing somebody, not necessarily Arthur Better B but they fighting somebody who's like a light heavyweight or somebody who is a um, maybe a lightweight going up to face Jermail Charlo. You know what I mean? And then willing to fight. Like, so that's the reason why this kid, you know, gets so much in the category of the achievements of the fact that he won that WBC belt and he didn't even have to. He doesn't have to do these things and he's seeking out these oppositions. So obviously when it comes to the smoke, this right here would be like a 20 to 30 if I could give him that. But being objective, I just gave him all 10. So my number seven fighter that I have on my pound for pound list currently is Bam Rodriguez. All right. My number seven on the pound for pound list uh, is Shakura Stevenson with a total score uh, of 86. I gave him a 24 as far as opposition. I mean, he just coming off his victory against Oscar Valdez and, and, and he fought Jamel Herring, which, which the performance was just extraordinary. In both of those fights, he, he gave like A plus extraordinary performances. This is his second weight class and he's on his way to, to actually trying to, to attempt to unify the division of a super featherweight. So I gave him, gave him a 24 as far as opposition for uh, achievements. I gave him a, a 23 uh, again. I mean, he, he has he has belts. But still, he hasn't. I, I feel he hasn't achieved what I, I, I think his ability, you know, really is. But he's on his way. I, I believe he's going to do that. And he's definitely going to move higher on his list in the future. I, I plan to see that for abilities and eye tests. I gave him a thirty. Most fighters on here, there, there's been 
parts where I've seen chinks in their armor. This fighter here, I haven't seen that one chink yet. The only thing you could possibly say against him is, oh, he may not have power. But even then, he's stopping guys. I mean, you, you don't stop a guy if you don't have power. So I gave to Chris Stevenson a 30 as far as the uh, abilities and eye tests. For the smoke category, I gave him a nine. I mean, he's willing to fight, you know, just about any and everyone. So for my number seven, I had Shakur Stevenson with a total score of 86. For my number seven, I also had Shakur Stevenson. Uh, he had a total of 87 on my on my list. For quality of opposition, I gave him a 25. Um, I just want to add that that Nakathila win, even though, you know, you could argue that Burchelt isn't the same Burchelt, his wins – like do even more numbers and mean even more after these guys go to fight other people similar to even though I'm not counting this into it but when he fought Joel Gonzalez and he pushed Navarrete to the edge and you know for Nakatila for him to have dominated Nakatila and for Nakatila to have knocked out Burchell that win just does dividends but um you know not only did he move up in weight but he beat the best that that weight class had to offer you know and so I gave him a 25 for that. I gave him a 25 for the achievements. Again, standard category for me or standard scoring for me because he's a two-division champ, unified at 130. For I test, I gave him a 28. He doesn't give away rounds, you know? Like, not all of his rounds are fan-friendly, but he wins them in dominating fashion. And you could argue that when he fought the two best guys in his division, he only lost, like, three to four rounds out of 22. You know what I mean? And so... I mean, you look at his eye test, he just he's here to stay on his list. And I think he's going to continue to get better. He's still very young, which is another thing that's so good about boxing. A lot of these guys that are coming up on his list are very young, like in their early to mid 20s. Uh, for the smoke category, I gave him a nine. He's consistently called out the best fighters in his weight class. And he's already started to put 135 on notice, too. But I couldn't give him a 10 because he hasn't fought those 135 guys yet. But give him a nine in the smoke category. So that was my number seven. But my number six, I had to go with Arthur Betterbiev. He's 18 and 0 with 18 knockouts. Uh, he also had 87 points total. So he was tied with Shakur. But I gave Betterbiev the edge, reason being they scored equal in the eye test for me at 28. But Shakur's style is to outbox you, and Betterbiev's style is to outbox you and beat you down. And so if I'm looking at more of a short shot, I would go with better BF because it's not going to go to the judges based on his 100% knockout rate. You know what I mean? But again, so I test, you know, 28. In his last fight, he showed no signs of aging or lingering effects from having COVID. Uh, for quality of opposition, I gave him a 27. You already went over that, Will, so I won't belabor. For achievements, I gave him a 23. Uh, for what is worth, he is the second highest ranked fighter on his list who has won world titles in only one weight class. Uh, but he still gets credit to me because, you know, he was another one of those guys who has went out and he got all the belts, you know. And so I gave him a 23 for that. For the smoke category, I gave him a nine. Um, he's never turned down a fight and he's always fought the best in his division at the time. Um, the only person he hasn't really fought that people want to see him fight, obviously, is Bevo. But I feel like that's coming, but for now, all I have is the present, and the presently, he has a nine. So that was my number six. All right, so for my number six, I have my main man, Shakur Stevenson. He had 81 points. I'll just point out a few things that 
or just reasons why I have him at number six. And again, this is another guy that's, like you say, is very young. I'm one of the youngest champions in boxing. Um, in the past two years, got the victory over Topa Clary. You mentioned the Nakatila fight, Jamel Herring, and then the one-sided beat down to Oscar Valdez. As far as abilities, I took two points off. And the reason why, I just need to see a little bit more. Now, as far as just what you see against the opposition that he's faced, then he's the elite of the elite. But I got to see it against different styles. He hasn't fought just everybody just yet. So, for instance, this fight that he has against Conceicao is going to tell me how he's going to, you know, combat that style he's going to face there. Maybe he might face just a true power puncher. How is he going to, you know, handle that type of situation? So I just haven't seen everything. He looks like he can handle whatever comes his way, but we shall see. So I took two points off just because I haven't seen everything. As far as quality opposition, I have it rather low. As far as the 21, I thought Valdez is a good win. Some of the other guys that you mentioned are pretty decent, but I think that is going to, like, go up once he fights more guys like a Conceicao that, that – Olympian who won the gold medal back in 2016. I can, you know, actually increase his, his points once I see him fight more guys like that. Um, like I say, you know, Valdez, yes, but the others, I'm still kind of a little bit skeptical on them. Um, as far as the achievements, I also gave a 21 in that category. He won a belt um, below the weight class that he's fighting in now. Then he, now he has the junior lightweight belt. So I, I just have them because the other guys have so many different like belts and so many different accomplishments and achievements that they've had over the course of their careers that I can't just give him too many points just with the Oscar, Oscar Valdez victory and the other belt that he collected in the lower weight class. As far as the smoke, I give him a 10 because I can't really fault you for not fighting somebody that's not in your weight class. And anybody that's around or near his weight class or that's in his weight class, he's calling those guys out. And the fact that he's fighting Casasio next after the victory over Oscar Valdez shows me that he's not he's not ducking any smoke. So for me, at 81 is uh, Shakur Stevenson, and he's my number six fighter on my pound for pound list. My number six fighter with a total score of 86 is uh, the, the um, light middleweight king, Jamel Charlo. Uh, I gave him a 25 for opposition. We really look at his resume in totality. I mean, he'd be a lot of guys. He's been at 154 his entire career, but also he has victory over uh, Vinus Marderasan. Um, I know I can never pronounce his name right. Uh, he clipped Erickson Lubin early in his career. Of course, he has that win over Austin, Austin Trout. Um, he lost to, to Harrison, of course, but he, he avenged that loss. And even that, 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 loss he had against Harrison uh it was a very close fight that I had him winning so I'm not sure how much I would have held that against him but he looked I, I think I thought that Brian Castano had better a better case for beating him but he came back and stopped Brian Castano so I give I gave him 25 in opposition uh achievements accomplishments I gave him 27 I mean he's running he's the, he's basically got all the belts at light middleweight right now I mean he is the king there isn't I mean I'm not even sure anyone has a, a, a WBA regular title right now at, at light bit of weight. For abilities and eye tests, I gave him a 24. Um, sometimes he looks beatable in spots, and, and of course he, he has been beaten, but he always, he, he does a lot better in rematches. He always rebounds. He always 
stays in shape. He trains hard. He fights like he has a, a chip on his shoulder. He trains like he has a chip on his shoulder. You'll, you'll never see him when he's not fighting with a beer belly or anything like that. So he's always locked in. The smoke, I got to give him a 10. He's fought everyone pretty much at the weight class. That's, a, you know, that's a, you know important at this particular time. The only, the only people who they hasn't fought are people that's coming up pretty much. No one was just sitting in his weight class they didn't fight. The only person I could think of was uh, uh, um, Aris Lura. So my number six with a total score of 86 is Jermail Charlo. My number five on the pound for pound list with a total score of 86 also. But when I line him up, I see this person beating Jermail Charlo. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Arrow to Troop Spence. Uh, I gave him a total score of 86. Opposition, I gave him a 26. I mean, he pretty much... Uh, Stakes his claim at at welterweight. He's beaten uh, a who's who, pretty solid, pretty solid Hall of Fame resume at uh, welterweight that he's uh, obtaining right now. Which welterweight is pretty much, arguably the best weight class to ever be in, to always be in when you're fighting at any era. Uh, for achievements, I gave him a 25. Uh, he has three of the four belts, but he's, he's he stayed at 147, but. At, the, at this time, he's, he's pretty much looked at as the man at 147 right now. Abilities and eye tests, I gave him a 26. I mean, he can box, he can punch. I mean, he can he can move around the ring. He can stand flat foot and trade with you. He can do lots of many things. Smoke category, I gave him a nine. He always willing to, to take on the best available opponent. Of course, the, the opponent we want to see him against is Terrence Crawford that we haven't seen, so I had to dock that point. But other than that, he's been pretty much willing to get in that ring with anyone. He's even from the way it sounds, he's willing to get in that ring with Terrence Crawford also. So I had to give him a nine. So with a total score of 86, I got Arrow to choose Spence. Oh, man, you talking Texas on Texas crime out there saying he would beat. No, let me stop. But I think so. <laughs> it would be a good fight. I think and usually when we make these comparisons, we say if they're the same size. Right. I think he would do it right now. <laughs> Honestly, that's just my opinion. That that would be a no disrespect to Jamel. I don't lions only coming at me and then I'm like that. I don't I know they be online and reading stuff, but you know. <laughs> you said what you said. That's how you feel, right? Yeah. That's how I feel, but no disrespect. Yes, no, sir. No disrespect taken. I actually also have him at my number five with a total of 88 points. So for quality of opposition, I gave him. But 28, you know, he fought and he beat Jordanis Ugas in between two injuries. Uh, Ugas is arguably the third best welterweight. Uh, he's unified three titles in one of the most active divisions in boxing. So, you know, when I look at quality of opposition, I look at what more could I have asked of a fighter in that time frame. And I really couldn't have asked for any more from him. And so I gave him a 28. Well, I could have asked for Terrence Crawford, but that wouldn't have been realistic. You know what I mean? So. Anyway, 26 for achievements. He is the highest ranked fighter on his list who has only won world titles in one division. But you can't argue what he's done. He's went out and got the three belts that he has, which, again, I give credit for. The eye test, I give him a 28. You know, the last time we did this, I had reservations about him coming back from eye injury. But in the Ugas fight, you know, he looked the class above him, and he boxed very brilliantly. In terms of his size, he's hired a nutritionist, so it's looking like his weight won't be an issue for as long as he will remain in the weight class, which is seeming like 
if you take him at his word, will only be one more fight. So I gave him a 28 net category. For the smoke, I gave him a nine. You know, previously I gave him an eight, but based on his aspirations, you know, he's talked about, I want to fight Bud and I want to move up. You know, he's on it. There to be great trajectory. So I got to give him credit for that. So again, 88 total points for the truth. All right. So for me, we are number five. Is that what we have, fellas? Yes, sir. I'm starting to get real now, huh? Uh-huh. Now, this fighter that I have on my number, on my pound for pound list, to me is the most talented fighter in boxing. But it's two categories that I can't put him any higher than number five. My number five fighter is the 34-year-old Omaha native, Terrence Bud Crawford, who's 38 of 29 KOs. Last two years, he's defeated Kale Brook, and he's coming off a 10th round TKO victory over Sean Showtime Porter. As far as the abilities, I gave him, he's the highest rated fighter. I kind of, well, I took a point off. Um, I gave him a 29. There's some areas there where he can be vulnerable to a certain degree, but it's it's limited amounts of vulnerability there. It's very like a small window there. But, you know, I I saw fighters like Sean Porter kind of, you know, having some success for a minute. And a lot of his fights, they kind of, he makes an adjustment. And once he makes that adjustment, then he kind of takes off. But I'm just, if he finds that fighter that's in their prime, that's able to stick with them and be able to adjust when he adjusts, I don't know. That's the reason why I have to take the point off. Maybe he's able to make another adjustment. I just haven't seen him face somebody who has those type of attributes. And I think that there's a couple, I think there's a couple fighters out there that could possibly do that. So I can't give him 30. As far as quality of opposition, some people are gonna think this is low. I gave him a 24 because when I'm looking at his resume, Sean Porter, that's a great win, right? But at the same time, if you critically look at the Sean Porter fight, was Sean Porter really still Sean Porter after all of the fights that he went through? You know what I mean? But you have to give him credit because he's the only guy that stopped Sean Porter. Now, Sean Porter wasn't um, Kale Brook. He wasn't that faded in his career. But I still have some reservations on that victory. I don't think Sean Porter was that same Sean Porter that Keith Thurman faced who was coming recklessly at him. I don't think he was the same Sean Porter that faced Danny Garcia. And I don't think he was the same Sean Porter that fought Earl Spence. I still think he was really good, but I think that it was a little bit out of him. And he was like kind of thinking about retirement and that was going to be his last hurrah. So I don't know. I gave him 24. Then when I look at the other divisions that he fought in, the championship against Ricky Burns, if you think about some of the the guys he won titles against, those are, I mean, those are, those are guys who happen to have belts and he ended up collecting those belts. Now, again, this is a very talented guy, but when you are having a list, when you're talking about the elite of the elite, you're kind of splitting hairs and you're trying to figure out like what separates this guy from the next. Now, as far as pound for pound, you could look at it from the standpoint that he's coming up in weight and you might give him high marks because he's the guy who's coming up as opposed to somebody who stayed at the same weight class. I don't know. I, that would be more so a case for me if he wasn't at 147 as long as, be, as he's been at 147. So as far as the uh, quality of opposition game, 24. As far as achievements, I gave him a 27. And to me, that's kind of high, but he has an undisputed championship at um, 140. 
He had a bill at 135, and he also has a bill at 147. So I gave him a couple extra points because of the fact that he has those other weight classes. I just It's just a chance that he beat to get those bills. Jeff Warren wasn't a world beater. Ricky Burns wasn't a world beater, but you can give him some credit for the Ricky Burns because he went to UK to do it. Also, the Victor Postal fight, to me, probably is the second best win that he has on a resume, on his resume. And, and it's another fight in which I look at it from a standpoint of not the fact that he just beat Victor Postal, but it was the manner in which he, he did it. Now, as far as smoke, this is when he kind of, if he was like have more points in the smoke category, then he definitely would be in the top three. I took off six points because I don't know what he's doing. Like, who is he fighting next? Like, what is he doing? He, he finally had like a, a fight that was, you can look at like, okay, how is he gonna, um, you know, handle Sean Porter? So you finally had a fighter that he was facing that you were kind of scratch your head, you didn't know. But before that, every time he faced somebody, I kind of already knew what the outcome was going to be. And I was scratching my head in terms of why is he fighting this dude? So, and he's in another situation now where hopefully the Spence fight is happening. I, I'm just, I'm hearing, you know, things here and there. It's supposed to be for October, but until I see the fact that those, they sign and the fact that they get into the ring and they actually, you know, get it on, you know, it's based on previously the fighters that he chose to fight or the fighters that they chose to put him in the ring with, I can't give him no more than six because there's too many welterweights out there that he hadn't faced. He still hadn't faced Udanian school guys. He still hadn't faced um, Errol Spence. He still hadn't faced Keith Thurman. He still hadn't faced any of the young guns. So if you're not facing those guys, then why you didn't face some of these other dudes that you could have potentially faced? So when it comes to the smoke, and I don't think that it's a fault of his own. I think it had a lot to do with top rank and Bob Arum. But when it comes to smoke, for whatever reason, the smoke just hasn't come out the chimney. So I had to give him a six in that category. So with 86 points, for me, I got Terrence Bud Crawford. I just want to say one other thing before I go into my number four is that Bud is, is the most talented guy. If I went just based on guys who are the best fighters and we didn't have a criteria to put up here, he would be my number one fighter. I want to mention that. But I can't put a pound for pound guy, at least at the top. I can't do that if you aren't a guy who has brings more to the table. You got to be kind of more of a box office type guy to me in order to be number one pound for pound. Like when I look at guys like Roy Jones, Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, you know what I mean? Like they had a certain... Uh, that's something different. Like they were, they had that star element. And I don't think it's the fact that Bud isn't a star. It's the fact that he just doesn't fight enough of other elite guys in order for everybody to really be tuned in that night to want to see his pay-per-view or his huge event. Now he may sell out in Omaha and places like that, but as far as just shutting everything down and everybody knowing, okay, that's Bud Crawford. Bud is about to fight this guy. That's not the case. And so that's the other thing. But again, it's hey, more. Hey, what about Pernell Whitaker? He was. He was. was not a box office draw like that. So when I say Pernell Whitaker, if I talked to any other black person at that time, they knew who Pernell Whitaker was. They would know. Boxing who fan, yeah, boxing fan, yeah. Yes. So that's what I'm talking about. So when I was in 
I was I was going to school at Grambling at the time. We would go up to like the casinos and stuff like that, and it would be a whole bunch of people saying, "Yeah, we're going to go see um, Floyd fight." Floyd fought in 1997 against Oscar De La Hoya. It wasn't just the fact that, and that was in his tail end of his career, but he was fighting big fights. He was fighting uh, Cesar Chavez. He was fighting like on HBO with like Buddy McGirt, or even earlier in his career when he was fighting um, some of those other guys. But he always took on the top level opposition and that's the difference like when you always chasing the top guys then that's going to get people that's going to start a movement of people who's going to want to buy into you you know what i mean so i'm not saying that when i say box office and stuff like that where it's it's like a crossover type thing but at the end of the day you know what i mean it's a certain um energy that you bring it's a certain movement that you have and i can't feel that with bud because a lot of times he's not fighting guys that you think are that much of a threat. So moving to my number four, my number four, this is when it gets tricky because my powerful power list, and this is what surprised me because this guy is another talented guy. But when I explain myself, it's going to be interesting. And he just came off a sensational performance against uh, a veteran who's a Hall of Famer. But my number four guy is Nuway. He's 29 years old, 23-0 with 20 uh, KOs. Past two years, he defeated Jason Maloney, uh, Mark Michael Desmaris, Aaron Diapon, and then he just had, like I say, the sensational second round KO of Nonito Donaire. As far as the abilities, he's another guy. I just took him one point below Terrence Bud Crawford. 28 points. He has the left hand Tito, the right hand. I don't know whoever got one of the biggest right hands, right hand Julian Jack. I mean, the man got offensive, you know, skills out the wazoo. Quality of opposition. I gave him a 24. He's defeated um, three current top 10 guys in his weight class. It's just to me, his weight class. Like, I don't look at some of those guys. He's just, and it could just be him. He may be, um, one of those guys who's just too good. And the fact that he's just that good, he makes all of those other guys don't not look so good. So um, I gave him a 24 as far as the quality of opposition. As far as achievements, you know, I gave him, and see here, it's another thing that could be argued. I gave him a 26. The man's a three division champ, you know, light flyweight, junior bantamweight, you know, bantamweight. So I, I you gotta give him credit. I'm just, Maybe, again, I may just be to the point where I don't know enough about those lower weight classes to know the quality of opposition that he's facing. Um, so, but with the fact that he's a multiple division champion um, in all of those weight classes and uh, uh, like a unified champ in a lot of those weight classes, I gave him a 26. And as far as the smoke, I gave him a 10. You know what I mean? Because I can't see him avoiding anyone. You know what I mean? And the fact that he's so active all of the time, you know, and he's taken out, like I say, top three of the top guys in his weight class. I can't see that he's ducking any smoke from anybody. So for me, at number four, I have the monster in the way. My number four with a total score of 87, I have Terrence Bud Crawford. Uh, for opposition, I gave him a 24. He pretty much ran two weight class, two weight classes, like where he was the man in those weight classes. Moved up to welterweight, stopped Sean Porter, which is his last victory, which I was impressed by because he broke. He was the only person to date to break Sean Porter's spirit, and, and it's not like Sean Porter had you know 
the fight beat out of him in the last few fights he had. He was only like maybe one or two fights removed from, you know, his fights with Spence and uh, Ugas. I was very impressed with that. Uh, accomplishments, I gave him a 20, uh, uh, 25 for being an undisputed at 140, where most people can't, <laughs> are, are, will not get four belts in the weight class. He's one of the only few fighters that has four belts in the four belt era. For abilities, I gave him a 29. Uh, he has looked vulnerable for like against uh, Gamboa where he was caught slipping and in, in certain fights he can look vulnerable but he always turns it on and figures guys out and up to this point no one has able to, been able to stop him from figuring them out and and in the last you know few fights he's just been stopping folks and been stopping you know a lot of guys who are pretty big for the smoke category I gave him a nine uh, he, he's definitely looking for that that uh, Errol Spence fight. He took on Sean Porter when a few people were doubting him and stopped him. So I give him a total score of 87. My number four was Terrence Bud Crump. Do you mind if I – he pushed back on, on something I said. Do you mind if I ask him a question, Danny? Yes. Ask, ask me a question. Uh, two. One. Ask, no, ask me one question. You, you said two things that I just want clarity on. You said he – one, you said he definitely wants the Errol Spence fight. What gives you that impression? Like, what gives you that confirmation that he's wanting the Errol Spence fight? He wants the Errol, he wants the Errol Spence fight. Just like I said, Errol Spence wants the Terrence Blood Crawford fight. They just haven't fought yet. I believe they both want the fight. I was asking, what gives you that impression, sir? That's, that was the question. I mean, he's going to the fights. He's calling them out. He's been in his face. He could be calling off of last year. I mean, he wants to fight. I mean, what else would you want? He doesn't, he's not doing anything that's different than other people when they call other fighters out. I don't, I didn't see that. I, I, you got to point to me and let me know specifically where, when you just saying these things, then I just, because I don't, I haven't seen it. He, he, he called Earl Smith out in his last fight when he beat Sean Ford. I will say, for what is worth, the biggest indicator for me has been that he left top rank. You know what I mean? Like, granted, you know, he sued Bob Arum or whatever, but the fact that he left top rank was like the biggest tangible indicator that I've seen. Yeah, I get that. You know, finally, the brother, you know, decided to, you know, sever ties with that company that he said was racist, you know, um, after re-signing, you know, on several occasions. But I was just wondering, I just I heard that and I just wanted to know, was there something out there that I wasn't? I know he was calling he was calling Errol Spence out when Errol Spence was still saying, clean up your side shoe. That's a fact. Okay. And what's your second question? Oh, well, I was just more so I was just thinking, right? So Terrence Bud Crawford, it, it to me it is it's like this, right? So do you watch NCAA basketball? No, I don't. You never watched it before? You don't have I mean, any? I watched it before, but I don't, I don't watch. I, I watch NBA, yes. So I don't watch NCAA like that. Okay, sure. All right. No, that, that's it. Daddy. That's all I have. For my number four, at 57, 2 and 2, 39 knockouts, 89 points total, I have Canelo Alvarez. But quality of opposition, I gave him a 29. He's only fought champions and his mandatory. You know, he, he beat Callum Smith by unanimous decision. He beat Yildrum, Billy Joe Sanders, Caleb playing all by knockout to become the first ever undisputed champion super middleweight. Obviously, he recently lost to Bevo, but 
you know, he's still a quality opponent. You know what I mean? And so I don't dock him for that. Achievements, uh, 30. He is the only person on my list with 30. He was really the person that I used to set the bar because at the professional level, he is the most accomplished fighter on the list. Very simple. He's had 16 total world titles in four different weight classes. So it's not really anything that I could take from him in this category. The eye test, this is kind of really what cost him. And before I give the number, I will say that this is what I'm giving him in relation to the top opposition that he would face from here. And so I gave him a 20 for the eye test. His stamina is still an issue. And in previous fights, he's just given up too many rounds. And my theory is that fighters like him who give up rounds and rely on their power, they will almost always be the ones to lose when they fight the better boxer who doesn't take the rounds off and who have the chin. And so I gave him a 20 for the eye test. I gave him a 10 for the smoke category. He's left little to be desired. You know, uh, once again, he dared to be great against Bevo, and he won on most occasions, and, you know, that he dared to be great. People would knock him for not, for not fighting Benavidez, but since he moved up to 168, there was not really much room to fight him in the sense that, you know, again, he fought all champions and is mandatory. I do believe that if Benavidez had remained a champion, he would have fought Benavidez. And also, Bevo was arguably a tougher challenge than Benavidez. And he's also just been the most active fighter on his list. So, got to give him a 10 in that category. So, that is my number four. For my number three, at 23 and 0 with 19 knockouts, 90 total points, I have Naoa Inoue. I won't belabor since you guys have already kind of discussed, but quite of opposition, I gave him a 26. He beat three of the top guys in the in the division achievements, I gave him 27 standard score for someone who has unified belts at their division in the sense that he has three to four major belts at his current class. And he's won world titles at two other weight classes. I test, I gave him a 28 last time. I gave him a 27 because he looked vulnerable in the first donator fight. In my opinion, he erased that when he beat him the way that he did. He looks pretty unbeatable at his weight class. It's just, you know, like Will said, the weight class, you know. Um, the smoke category, I gave him a number nine. I almost feel bad because it feels like I'm penalizing him for there not being more top competition in his weight class. But, you know, he's never backed down from a challenge. So, got to give him a nine in that category. So, that is my number three. So, for me at number three, this was a tough call right here. Very tough call because I have guys who are very similar in the total points. But I'm gonna have to be objective here. So for me at number three, I have the 32 year old sensation out of Dallas, Texas, the 28 and old with 22 KO. Southside is the realest man, and that is Errol the True Spence. In the past two years, Errol has the Danny Garcia victory, the Adanis Ugas 10th round, TKO victory. As far as the abilities, I gave him 27. Took three points off. They, I think that in some cases, he's shown the ability to possibly get out box or, you know, he showed a little chink in his armor when 
he got nailed by Ugas, you know, just little things like that. When you're talking about the elite of the elite, you got to factor all of those things and, you know, take all of those things into consideration. I know it wasn't the last two years, but even in that Sean Porter fight, I thought that he was a little rambunctious, you know, and the fact that I don't think he took Sean Porter serious enough where he attempted to fight a fight that was just conducive to Sean Porter. That was the only way Sean Porter could be successful was the way in which he fought him. And I don't think that he was taking his training as, seri as serious as he is now, you know, with the nutritionist that he has and, you know, the dog shape that he appears to have been in, in the past, you know, or in his past fight. Um, so his abilities, I gave him a 27 there. As far as quality of opposition, I gave him a 26. Um, he just defeated, to me, two of the current top 10 pound for pound fighters. I know Danny Garcia moved up, but I think that Danny's still a top 10 uh, welterweight. So him and Ugas within that two-year time frame. So I gave him, and, and that's the toughest, most competitive weight class in the sport of boxing. As far as, far as the achievements, I gave him a 26. He has three of the belts at welterweight. And again, that's the most competitive weight class. And then also, unlike a lot of these guys that I'm mentioning, he has a solid foundational background and, you know, people that he bring out to his fights. And, you know, there's a lot of allure around an Errol Spence event. So I have to give him, I have to take that into consideration as well. So for me, at number three, I have Errol the True Spence, and he ended up with 89 points. As far as the smoke, I gave him a nine because I think with him, it's the fact that he's still taking on the Danny Garcia's, the Udanis guys. He was set up to fight a Manny Pacquiao. That's smoke. You know what I mean? And it just makes sense. I can see if he was ducking somebody and facing like the old washed up guy, but he's not doing that. He's fighting these fights. Um, you know, having these huge events and he's collecting belts. You know what I mean? So shout out to him. Errol Spence is my number three fighter on my pound for pound list. My number three on the pound for pound list with a total score of 89 is Alexander Usyk. I gave him a, a 26 as far as opposition. Uh, very impressive. He ran the table at cruiserweight. I mean, he was impressive at cruiserweight before he even moved up to heavyweight, even when it was talked. And, and when it was decided he would move up, there was still some like, hmm, I don't know if he would be successful there. So he moved up um, and, and took some fights against uh, Chaz Witherspoon and Derek Chisora. We were like, okay, all right. He didn't really look impressive at first, but it was that victory over Anthony Joshua that makes him pretty dangerous. I mean, where if he, uh, he, he's pretty much the top heavyweight right now. Like, he's the heavyweight champion since – Tyson Fury is retired. If Tyson Fury decided to come back, then there'll be a, a different conversation. But because Tyson Fury is retired, Alexander Uzik is the, is the top heavyweight. He is the number one uh, heavyweight today. Um, I gave him, uh, as far as the confidence, I gave him a uh, 25. Again, he, he, he's the current heavyweight champion. Um, he ran the table at cruiserweight for abilities. I give him a, a 28, uh, very impressive. I know I docked his points when he first moved up to heavyweight last time when he was looking unimpressive, but that the way he stood, so at some points he stood right in front of Anthony Joshua and was outboxing him and making Anthony Joshua even more hesitant. He was making the puncher like 
really, really hesitant. And that was very, very impressive. So I gave him a 28. Smoke, I gave him a 10. I mean, I cruised away like that, moving up the, the, the heavyweight and taking up the, taking on the biggest challenges. Uh, I couldn't give him uh, no less than a 10. So with a total score of 89, Alexander Usyk. My number two fighter with a uh, total score of uh, 89, I have is Naui Inui. And I always mess his name up. I always butcher it. Uh, I gave him a total score of 89. Uh, for the opposition, I gave him a score of 25. He's always willing to go against the, 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 the best opposition. Uh, his resume is pretty good. Has some great names for, you know, the vision that he's in, there's not like really, really big names, but he did a, a, a service of running those weight classes. I mean, he was the man at, at Bantamweight when he was there. I mean, when he was at um, Super Flyweight, now he's the man at, at Bantamweight. And, and he just come off his cessational victory over uh, Nonino Donaire, who no one's ever knocked him out at that weight class. Donaire is always, you know, when he gets beaten like that, the only time he was beaten like that was against Nicholas Walters, which was at uh, a featherweight. Other than that, he was just outboxed thoroughly by, uh, by, by Guillermo Rigondeaux. But as far as being beat up like that, I mean, you could say it's age too, but Anui just took it to him. For abilities, I give uh, Anui a 28. I mean, he has some cheeks in his armor that Donaire did exploit um, in that first fight. Uh, but I like how Anui, he just changed his game plan. He just went to it and took Donaire out of there. So I gave him a 28. He's always, you know, he hits hard. He outboxes guys. He beats them up. He does. If he, if he was a bigger fighter, like if Anui was at welterweight, he'll probably be the, he'd probably be pound pound number one right now. And, and it's just that the fact that he fights at a lower weight class, just like how Roman Gonzalez was and how Ricardo Lopez was before him. Sometimes he gets overlooked because of, you know, people don't follow those lower weight classes as much. Uh, so I give Anui a nine. So my number two on the pound pound list is Naui Anui. For my number two, 38 and no with 29 knockouts, 90 total points. I had Terrence Bud Crawford. He was a two-way tie with Inoue, but I gave the edge to Bud. This is one of those instances where I had to make the executive decision. And I don't know, for anyway's most recent win, I do feel like there's kind of, even though he did it in dominating fashion, I do feel like there is some sort of an advantage to fighting someone you had already fought and being able to collect data from that first fight. So I kind of made the executive decision here. So as it pertains to Bud, quality of opposition, I gave him a 25. You know, in a lot of time frame, really his saving grace for me giving him this score was fighting Sean Porter. And Sean Porter was arguably the third best welterweight behind Bud and Errol Spence before he retired. And so I got to give him credit for that. And I couldn't really have asked for him to fight anyone else better in that scenario. Obviously, he beat Kell Brook in a way that no one has, but, you know, wasn't the same Kell Brook, so achievements i gave him a 28 you know he had three belts at 135 he went and got all the belts to become undisputed at 140 uh he successfully defended the wbo belt at 147 since he won it you could argue you know well who did he defend it against but that is for the quality of opposition not for the achievements you know what i mean and so 
Now on to the eye test, I gave him a 29. Only because he did look susceptible to some of the body attacks in his fight against, you know, Mean Machine. But other than that, there aren't a whole lot of chinks in his armor. You know, it's like he doesn't look unbeatable, but it's like the longer you let him stay in there, he fight. He's like a supercomputer with some like very sophisticated artificial intelligence that can beat you with either hand and either stance. So I gave him a 29 for the eye test. And the smoke category, I gave him an eight. In theory, he hasn't duck smoke, like directly, but he did choose to resign with top rank back when he could have went the PBC way or just went a different route that could have got him better fights. Like I feel like the writing was on the wall when he did that. And it I I don't think it was the best career decision for him, and it led to him fighting guys who, you know, we're kind of knocking him for fighting. So I gave him an eight for that category. And that was my number two. Uh, so we're down to the nitty gritty, right? So my number two, I got the 35 year old out of the Ukraine, man. That's my main man, Alexander Usyk was 19 and old with 13 KOs in the past two years. He had the victory over Derek Chisora. In that fight is when I, that's when I caught wind of the skills that Alexander Usyk has. Not only the skills that he has, but also the mental games that he's able to play. He's everything with him is calculated. And I, I saw that. I, I kind of study him in the press conferences, you know, leading up to the fight and then in the fight itself, because I noticed how he was doing everything to make sure that he won the fight. And I can sense that. So it wasn't that he's going to take any advantages or any unnecessary advantages to give Chisora an opportunity because he has some opportunities. He could have got Chisora out of there, but he was like, nah, you know, I got this in the bag. And that let me know. That's when I said, okay, that's a pretty good fighter right there. And then what really obviously made me a believer is the Joshua fight. And I knew going into the fight, even leading up to that, some of the things that I saw when I went back and I saw him face Joe Joyce in a World Series of Boxing about 10 years ago, and just the boxing display, the, the ability to, um, the feints, the, the um, <laughs> he just had the man on the string and every time he'll shoot a shot, he'll angle himself, get out of the way, then he'll hit him with something. And he was just too much for that big guy. So leading up into the Joshua fight, I knew he had a shot just based on Anthony Joshua's robotic nature, and he pulled it off. And so as far as the abilities, I give Usyk a 25. And the reason why I took more points off or five points off is because of this. Now, he was doing that at cruiserweight, and it's remarkable to be able to do that against those big guys. I just think that he has an advantage over those dudes because he's kind of like a middleweight as far as his movements going against guys who they have no clue in terms of how to manage and handle somebody that elusive, you know what I mean, with that sharp of a mind. Um, so I took 25 off because I don't know if it's just against that those type of guys that he's able to do that against or if he would be able to do that if he was at a smaller weight class, if he was that weight. Um, as far as the quality of opposition, I gave him a 24 because to me, the cruiserweights, they're, they were a good group. It's similar to the 158 pound weight class where you just got a lot of competition that's very evenly matched. 
they're not the elite of the elite, but they're very good. And he went through those guys at relatively um, early in his career because he only has 19 victories, but he went through them like really quickly and early in his career to gain all of those belts. And he was an undisputed champion. So as far as the achievements, I give him a 30 because it's only one other guy that I know that came up from cruiserweight who was the undisputed cruiserweight champion, Evander Holyfield, to go up and win the belts at um, heavyweight. So that's a huge accomplishment. The fact that he took on one of the top heavyweights, this big, huge power punching Anthony Joshua and the way he went about winning that belt, that showed me a lot. So I gave him 30 points in that category. Quality of opposition was a 24 because again, the cruiserweights. And then also the fights in between the Chisora fight, um, he had a couple other fights that he fought. It's not the greatest, but some of those big wins are, are pretty big. So it's enough for me to give him the 25 uh, points that I gave him. As far as the smoke, he's another guy. I wish I can give him more because when you are, this this is the mentality of a Alexander Usyk. And I want you to, if you don't, if you get an opportunity, take a look at him and take a look at Anthony Joshua. One person is a man who's sure of himself, and it's, a, it's one person who is still questioning whether or not they're good enough to actually win the fight. Like, they're still unsure of themselves, but Usyk is always sure of himself. Like, he's, he's, he's very self-assured. But also, when it comes to the smoke, um, I think that that's what his self-belief, you know what I mean? They asked him, leading up to the Anthony Joshua fight, Joshua wanted in the clause for a rematch. He wanted a rematch clause. And so Usyk, I was surprised. I was thinking that maybe Usyk may um, be reluctant. Like, man, if I pull it off, that, do I want to have to do it again? What he said was, oh, I get a chance to beat him twice? So that's the mentality of this guy. So when it comes to the smoke category, I had to give him a 10, man. And it was really close between him and Errol Spence, but the fact that he won an undisputed championship at Cruiserweight, the fact that he went up and did something only the great Evander Holyfield did, I had to put him over the truth. And that's the reason why he's my number two fighter on my pound for pound list. So now my number one pound for pound fighter in the world. How many times have we done these pound for pound lists? Is this the third? Is he a third or fourth? It's, <laughs> it's at least the fourth. Okay. So this, this, I think this man right here is my four-time <laughs> reigning champion of my pound-for-pound pound list, man. And that is the 31-year-old out of Guadalupe, Jalisco, Mexico, Canelo Alvarez. Canelo is 57-2 with 39 KOs. And he's had victories in the past two years over Callum Smith, Abney Yildrum, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant, and then he just had the loss when he moved up again in weight to face very talented champion at 175 pounds, Dimitri Bell. So with that resume, to me, I don't know anybody on here who has that resume. Now, again, I can't take too many points off of a fighter if they're going up and they are daring to be great. And I don't think that he was daring to be great in a diluted, you know, mind frame. I think that he really was going up there. I mean, he was a favorite. 
right? Just based on the skills that he showed, his ability to, you know, uh, step up to the plate when it comes to these huge events. And Bivol, you know, had never been in that, you know, situation before. So I think that's the reason why the odds makers had it like that. But that's a daunting task to face. Like one of the, the Bivol could be the best 175 pound fighter for a person to come up from 154, 160, 168, and then go up one more time. That's the reason why I can't take too many points off of him. Where am I going to take the points off? Now, I did take a little bit off when it comes to his abilities because he did show me that if you have somebody who, who's not going to crack under pressure, who's going to stick to their game plan, and who has certain skills to be able to jab, move, tie up, and do those things, and they're, they're big, and they can do that for the full 12 rounds, that he's going to have trouble against somebody like that. But how many people are out there that can do that? You know what I mean? Especially if he's going to be fighting at 168. So that's the reason why I think I had him maybe closer to a 27, 28 in the past. I dropped him down to a 23 because I don't know anybody else out there who's going to be able to handle Canelo. And I certainly don't think that it's going to be this guy he's going to be having a, a uh, trilogy with. Um, so 23 when it comes to the abilities. Quality of opposition, I gave him a 26, I believe. Yeah, that's a lot of good opposition. I took a couple points off because just, and not necessarily recently, but you still had the Andrade, Charlos stuff that was lingering in the past. And that's more so the smoke. And then Benavidez's name has been lingering around there. So when it comes to smoke, I gave him a seven, but I have to give him a 30 as far as achievements, man. Usually it was the champion at 154. 160, he had a lot of belts. And then at 168, one, I think he's the only guy ever to be the undisputed champion at 168. He had a belt that he collected from Kovalev. So that's a 30 right there. So all in all, he had 91 points. And once again, Canelo Alvarez is my number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. My number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. Raul Canelo Alvarez with a total score of 91. Just like you had with. When I wrote this list out, when I just wrote it from the top of my head, like what the pound for pound list would look like, I'm not sure that Canelo was even in my top three based off of, of you know what just happened. But number wise, when I started crunching the numbers, you can't deny him. I mean, you can't deny what's there. You know, opposition. I gave him a 28. I mean, nobody really today have his opposition. I mean, he's He's fought a who's who from 154 all up to, you know, 175. Even though he lost his fight with Dimitri Bivo, he's fighting kind of outside his weight class. And even today, he's still a four-belt unified 168-pound champion. And whoever he fights uh, below 175 at 168 on down, all these people that people want to see him against, Benavidez, Charlo, all those folks, he would still be listed as the favorite over them if that fight were to happen. So Dimitri Bivol is the only one that would, or or Bitter Beef at 175 that would put question marks to whether he would be the favorite or not. Uh, accomplishment, accomplishments. I gave him a 30. I mean, I can't give him nothing less. See, I mean, he's pretty much the pinnacle of what a pound for pound fighter should achieve in his career. For the abilities, I gave him 24. Yeah, I took those six points away for how he looked against the uh, in a Bivol fight, but. I mean, how many fighters that people want to see him against would have done that yet done that in that, that same fight? I think he still, you know, even though he showed that, that, that some of those chinks in his armor that always existed, 
none of those fighters who fought in the last three, four years has been able to really exploit that. For the smoke category, I gave him a nine. He dares to be great. I took the point off just because of, you know, his people calling out his name that he hasn't really, you know, seemed interested in fighting. But still, a nine. I mean, a lot of the guys that 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 he's fighting, I don't think the guys that he's that's calling him out would even beat. So my number one guy uh, with a total score of 91 is Saul Canelo Alvarez. All right. Now for my number one, I had Alexander Usyk. For the quality of opposition, I gave him a 29. I did that because, you know, in the past two years, he's only fought Derek Chisora and Anthony Joshua, but I can't really fault him for that. You know what I mean? Like he was moving up in weight and the other two top heavyweights were busy with each other. You know, AJ was tied up with trying to fight Fury until Wilder won their arbitration, which made Wilder which forced Fury to fight Wilder. And so I can't fault him for being caught up in other fighters' drama. You know what I mean? And so I gave him a 29 for that. For the achievements, I gave him a 26. Standard score for someone who is in his position, who was undisputed and has multiple belts at two weight classes. For the eye test, I gave him a 27. Only because, you know, again... Looking towards who out of the top competition he could fight from here, his size could become a problem if he were to fight. I'm not going to say Fury because of where he is right now, but if, you know, we do know that Wilder is coming back. And so if he were to fight Wilder, his size could be an issue. Wilder is smaller in weight, but he's, he's just longer. And as for the smoke category, I gave him a 10. You know, he's never turned down a fight. Uh, he's almost cleaned out two divisions in 19 fights and heavyweight is not an easy division to move up in, you know, and granted, you know, the smaller weight classes are close together in size for a reason, but we're talking a guy who used to make 200 pounds, who is now weighing in at what, roughly 230, somewhere between 230 and 240. And so, you know, this is a tough feat and I got to give my credit. I got to give my my credit where it's due. So, yeah, with 93 points, I gave it to Alexander Usyk. That's a pretty solid list. Um, yeah, that's that's a, another good solid, you know, addition of, of what we we've been we've been discussing um, over the past two years as far as these pound for pound lists. You guys have any final thoughts that you want to share out about your list, or just any anything that you just want to. Um, say you know regarding your list before we wrap things up it's just always fun to see where folks fall you know because you know you have some guys and it's almost like you can't fault them for only sticking with their weight class but then when it's pound for pound it's like well you also have to give this person extra credit for going up or down in weight or whatever you know what i mean and so it's just always interesting to see where folks fall yeah, it was, it was an interesting list. You know, like I said before, I, I, I wrote some names down. Then I wrote some names in the order that I thought they went. And then I started writing numbers down. And I crushed the numbers, and that's what I came up with. Yeah, it's, it's always good, you know, to, to take a look at this and 
it was really been good is the fact that we've had a lot of comp. We had a lot of fights that have taken place in order for us to see these guys once again, because once the pandemic hit, it was a lot of fights that were not happening for one. And then two, because guys were inactive. Then when they would fight, it wouldn't be like the best actually fighting the best. But then after a while, they just start fighting each other one after the other. And so it was easy for us to like, especially when it comes to the eyeball test, to see where these guys, these guys fail. It was just, I want to point out a few things before we wrap things up. Like, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy that we got like a lot of these newcomers. Like you, you mentioned, Danny, earlier that it just means that the that boxing is in good hands, that we got these young up and coming fighters. We got Devin Haney's. We got some guys that's in that weight class that could potentially be on the next one. Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, you know, you got that crew. Um, then you got Tio, when he comes back, what, what is he gonna do? He was on the pound for pound list, you know, previously. Then you got um, the Shakurs who are on there, you know, two of us had Bam Rodriguez on our pound for pound list. So the boxing is looking like it's in good hands. You got some heavyweights and things like that, that might make, you know, shake things up as well. So I'm, I'm um, looking forward to the prospects of what these up and coming fighters, you know, what's your guy name that's in a lightweight division or he's around there. He's uh, Keyshawn. Keyshawn. Yes, sir. So you got Keyshawn and those guys. So it's just, man, David Benavidez, we didn't even mention him. So you know what's going to happen with him. Um, and then the last thing that I'm going to say, as far as some of the guys, again, I can't, you know, emphasize it enough. If it was just as far as talent, then Terrence Bud Crawford would be my number one pound for pound fighter. But it's just, and the point that I was making earlier, as far as the conferences, to me, it's like Spence on his side is like, the ACC in college basketball. So he's got to face Duke, Notre Dame, Virginia, Wake Forest, Syracuse, where Terrence Bud Crawford, when he was on the top rank side, he was like Gonzaga, where he just maybe every so often he got to fight or face a St. Mary's or something like that. And so it's not right. equal, you know what I mean? So that's the point I was trying to make with that. And as far as uh, the monster, the monster talent-wise, he may be number two, but mm -hmm. You know, within the last year, man, I just couldn't give him credit for that much credit for, even though Donaire is a veteran, he brings a lot to the table. He has that know-how, he has that power, you know what I mean? And he always can surprise you. It's just the fact that he's a little bit long in the tooth. And I know that the new way just doesn't, like that's a marquee matchup for him where he could, it's kind of lucrative. And that name recognition, there's not that many guys down there. But to me, that's just like, if he was, if he was to knock out Sugar Ray Leonard, if he came out of retirement, you understand what I'm saying? That's the same. <laughs> but on that note, anything else, fellas, before we wrap things up? No, sir. Man, I hope everybody had a good Fourth of July weekend. Oh, Remember? Mikey Garcia. Oh yeah, Mikey, Mikey. Yeah, old Mikey Garcia uh, decided to hang him up. Man, you guys have any thoughts on Mikey's career? It seemed like. When I, when I look at his, his career, he's cheated a lot. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't reach the heights that I thought he would reach. But he, he's definitely achieved a lot. Um, he has nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and, 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 when I, and I always say this, when guys, when their hearts are not, not in it anymore, which is, it sounds like that's where it's at for him, I would rather have him retire with his health intact, he got money in his pocket, than keep on trying to go get paydays or get this or get that. And his heart not being there, and he ends up getting hurt. So 
uh, I'm happy for him that he gets to, you know, enjoy life, enjoy his family, and 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 hopefully he can come back to boxing in some capacity other than fighting if he wants, or be a, a commentator or anything like that, or an analyst. Yeah, I think I've seen him in in camp, you know, at RGBA helping out, you know, some of those fighters as well. But all I'll say is, and when I say this, I don't mean it in any way as a slight, but since I've been following boxing, which has been the greater part of like the 2010 decade, just from the way he conducts himself, I never really got the impression that he truly like enjoyed boxing. I think that he grew up in a boxing family and I think that he's a very mentally tough consummate professional and he sort of embraced it and took it on. Um, And to be able to, and if, if my assumption is correct or if my impression is correct to take on something that you may not necessarily be passionate about, but still be world-class at it anyway and to be able to move up multiple weight classes, you know, we just did the pound for pound episode. He was on that pound for pound discussion and on that pound for fa- and on that list for a minute, you know. And so that's just a testament to how good of a fighter he was. And so definitely uh, much respect to him as a fighter. Wish him peace and happiness and whatever he decides to do from here. Yeah, and that pedigree, right? He just. Uh was uh, and that's that's I was thinking along those lines too Danny as far as I never gathered him just being super passionate about boxing it just seemed like he was always kind of doing something else but then I'm like is he training <laughs> you know what I'm saying because he'd be doing interviews and it seemed like his mind is on something else and, but he'll just end up having a fight and he'd look really good like against guys like uh Easter and and, and uh Broner you know and guys like that I just and, and like you said, Bill, it's a level that I thought that he might be able to get to that, that was just a little bit higher because, you know, as far as the talent, he just didn't have the special effects, but all of the other stuff, he just knew the nuances of the game and um, he had a, a pretty good right hand, just solid guy all across the board. I'm gonna miss him, you know what I mean? But if it's, like you said, if his heart is not in it, you don't want him just to be fighting, just to be fighting. And I don't, it doesn't look like he needs the money. Ever since he got the spits, when he's looked like, he, he looks like, you know, he's been investing his money the right way. And so hopefully he doesn't, you know, put him, you know, ever be in a situation where he has to come back. But, you know, I always appreciate Mikey Garcia. And if he wasn't in the top 10 pound for pound, he was always on the cusp of being in a top 10 pound for pound. So shout out to you, sir. Anything else you guys have before we wrap it up? No, sir. If not, hopefully you had a great 4th of July. We'll catch you next time with the Mark McSayo and Ray Vargas fight. On that note, we out. Peace. Peace. Peace.